Amen. Now we are delighted to have Mr. Weir with us, and I'm going to ask him to come now and share a word of testimony and preach the word of God. Thank you, brother. Well, good evening, everybody. Uh, it's really lovely to be here tonight, and I want to thank the Reverend McLaughlin for the warm words of welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to come. It's great to be saved, isn't it? Amen. Yes, you've got the joy of the Lord. It's wonderful to be born again of the Spirit of God. I'm surprised you've let me in the night coming from the Donegal Road in Belfast. I remember taking a mission down in Ballyclare, and there's a wee fellow who's about the same height as myself, and he was only eight years of age, and he was telling me all about his tractors. And uh, I happened to say to him, well, what type of tractors do you think we have in the Donegal Road in Belfast? And as sharp as a razor, he said, stolen ones. <laughs> so uh, I still live in the Donegal Road. Uh, I don't know if there's any stolen tractors about them. Um, not. there's any stolen tractors around this part of the world. There's maybe one or two. But it's lovely to be here. Thank you so much for the invite. And I just thought, saying it was my first time that I would just share a wee bit of my testimony. Because I know when you come to a church for the first time, people want to know all about you, don't they? So I just thought I would, I would share a wee bit of my testimony, what the Lord has done in my life and in my family, and then weave in the gospel message. I don't know who's here tonight. I don't know who's listening online. But I trust that if you're a Christian, that you're encouraged. And if you're not a Christian, uh, this will be your night when you taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's have no distractions now as we turn to the Word of God. Second Corinthians chapter 5 if you have a Bible with you, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, reading from the verse number 14. Second Corinthians chapter 5, reading from the verse number 14. This is Paul, of course, writing to the church at Corinth. He writes, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Verse 21 to close. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. We'll stop there, 21. And may the Lord as always add a blessing to the reading and to the preaching of his word. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for already the lovely sense of your presence. And we just pray now as we come around your word for these next few minutes that, Lord, you would settle their hearts. Lord, we just thank you so much that you have promised us that with the two or three are gathered together in my name that I will be in the midst. And Lord, I pray that what you've done in my life and in my family, that, Lord, it may encourage the Christian tonight. But, Lord, if there's one here not saved, if there's one listening online, still not saved, still outside the kingdom, maybe, Lord, a backslider listening, Lord, I pray that this would be their night. Lord, when they get right with you and get ready for eternity. Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost and with power. Bring all things to my remembrance. And, Lord, everything that I say, may you get the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. 
Folks, it's verse 17 I want to leave with you tonight as a, as a, as a sure my testimony and bring in the gospel message. Look at verse 17 again. What a text. Paul states, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. You see, when a man accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, he gets a new father. He gets a new family. He also gets new friends. When a man is truly converted, his company is changed and his character is changed. When a man gets saved, he's a love for God. He's a love for the Bible. He's a love for the prayer meetings and even a love for his enemies. You see, his temper, his tongue, his temptations are changed. He is a new creation. The old life has gone. It's what the Bible calls being born again. And I can honestly say tonight that being born again of the Spirit of God is the greatest thing in the world. Amen. I trust tonight that you're born again of the Spirit of God. As I travel our wee province sharing the gospel, it's, it's difficult to find people today who are truly born again of the Spirit of God. A lot of people come to church. A lot of people go through the motions of religion, but it's difficult to find people who are truly born again of God's Spirit. But do you remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3? Except a man be born again or born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, as you know, my name's John Weir and I still live in the Donegal Road area in Belfast. And from a, from a young age, my life was very much dominated by football, growing up right beside Windsor Park. And at 15 and 16, I was going to different clubs in England and Scotland. And at 16, I was just about to sign for Chelsea. Chelsea had a wonderful player called Gianfranco Zola. He was an Italian. I'm sure some of you remember him. He, he was a wonderful player. He was small, and I'm small, and, and he was my boyhood idol. So I always wanted to play for Chelsea. And at 16, I was just about to sign a contract, and then disaster struck. I, I hurt my knee, and I had to come home from London. And I was absolutely gutted, as, as you can imagine. But I recovered from that particular injury, and I went on then to join Linfield. And again, growing up in the Donegal Road, all the wee fellas running about the streets, everybody wants to play for Linfield, and I was no different. And at 19, I was just breaking into the Linfield first team, was also the captain of the Northern Ireland Youth International team, and at 19, I hurt me in a bad way, and I had to stop playing football completely. My friends at that time, many of you will know Stephen Davis and and Chris Brunt and, and others, they were all playing in the Premiership in England, earning thousands of pounds, millionaires, And here was me at 19, unable to do the thing that I dreamed about and the thing that I loved. But you know, folks, looking back now as a Christian, I can see that God had a completely different plan for my life. Friend, can I say tonight that God has a plan for your life? And it's only when you fall in love with Jesus Christ do you realize what that plan is. Jeremiah 1 and 5, God told the prophet, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. You see, I was chasing after the things of this world, and had no thought about my soul. Is that you? Caught up in the things of the world, but never once thought about my soul. Never once thought about eternity. And I meet so many and all, all over Northern Ireland and when you're out in the streets and when you're wrapping doors and, and there's people, and maybe even this is you, and they're selling their soul for the drink. They're selling their soul for the drugs. There's even young people and they're selling their soul for the partying scene, for the immoral lifestyle, even what their friends and their family will think of them. 
The Bible says there's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I was even just thinking the other day about hell. Hell is going to be full of people that knew the gospel. Did you know that? Especially in Northern Ireland. Churches everywhere. Mission halls everywhere. Hell is going to be full of people that went to Sunday school, who were brought up in good Christian homes, that sat in churches where they heard the gospel week after week. They heard the cream of gospel preachers. Northern Ireland has had the cream of gospel preachers. But sadly, so many are still not saved. And hell is going to be worst of all for those brought up in Christian homes. Did you know that? Because they had that privilege. Not everybody has had that privilege. And they had godly mothers and they had godly fathers. And they went to Sunday school and they were brought up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, but they turned their back. What's hell going to be like for somebody like that? It's going to be terrible, isn't it? No wonder the Bible tells us that the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. I'm so thankful I'm here tonight just sharing a word of testimony and bringing the gospel message and on my way to hell, living an ungodly life. And you know, folks, growing up, sadly, I had no Christian influence whatsoever. My parents were good people, but they more or less let us make our own decisions. Sadly, before I became a Christian, I'd never owned a Bible. I was never in a Sunday school. I was never in a lovely church like this. I was never at a gospel mission or a children's club. But yet, but yet, deep down in my heart, I still believed in God. When I looked at the stars at night and the birds and the trees and the wonders of creation, I knew there had to be a God. And my life was a mess at 19 years of age. Things were going on within my family. And I remember getting onto my knees in my bedroom and crying out to God to help me in my life. And I remember just pouring out my heart to the Lord and saying, Lord, if you're real, will you help me in my life and will you help my family? And A.M. Bounds is a great author in prayer. And maybe some of you have his books. He said this, these words. He says there's prayers, but then they're desperate prayers. You ever been there in your own life? Maybe there's somebody even in the church tonight or listening on the internet and you're desperate. You don't know what way to turn. Well, that was me at 19 years of age. But I remember that night, a presence coming upon me in that bedroom and I knew that everything was going to be okay. You see, I poured out my heart to the Lord. And if you pour out your heart to the Lord, he will hear your cry. Not old false professions, but if you pour out your heart. Listen, Jeremiah 29, 13, what does God state? State, here's his promise and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all of your heart. That's the secret. Crying unto God with all of your heart. And that was me in that bedroom. And I knew that everything was going to be okay in my life. And the way the Lord had planned it, my mother was working with a lovely Christian lady in the Belfast City Hospital called Peggy Reardon. Do you know what Peggy said to my mother? She says, June, I'm praying for your family. A cleaner in the Belfast City Hospital who planted a seed. Can I encourage the Christian people here tonight? Keep planting seeds. Amen. Wherever you go to work this week, maybe young people of your college or university or wherever you go over the summer, keep planting seeds. That wee lady planted a seed. She told my mother, June, I'm, I'm praying for your family. And you see that same night, I got on my knees and cried unto God. I, I knew I had to go to Peggy's church. I remember getting directions off the internet. I didn't know where I was going. And I remember arriving at the church on my own, walking in through the doors and hearing the gospel for the very first time. And I remember the verses that were preached on that night from Isaiah 53. 
I'm sure you know them well. Isaiah 53. Isaiah got a vision of the cross, didn't he? Some 750 years before it happened. Picture the Savior. Can you see him in that middle cross? Dying for you and dying for me. Isaiah said, but he was wounded. Oh, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has led on him the iniquity of us all. And as I heard the simple message of the gospel for the first time at 19, I realized that Jesus died for me. My sin. My shame. My broken life. My skeletons in the cupboard. He died on that old rugged cross for me. And you see that night? you know what I experienced? Conviction of sin. Have you ever experienced conviction of sin? I knew I couldn't leave that church that night until I got right with God. I didn't understand everything, but I realized I was a sinner. I realized that Jesus died on the cross to save me. And if I called upon his name, he could forgive me and I could get ready for heaven and home. And that's how simple the gospel is, isn't it? And I stayed behind that night. I got on my knees and I asked the Lord Jesus Christ to save my precious soul. And I'll never forget it, the gospel service that night, uh, singing a lovely old hymn written by Philip Bliss. And it touched my heart, a man of sorrows. Oh, what a name for the Son of God who came. Ruined sinners, that was me. Ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Bearing shame and scoffing rude. In my place condemned he stood. He sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior. And I just simply cried unto the Lord to save my soul. And he did. He did. And I'm not ashamed to tell you tonight, I love him with all of my heart. Friend, do you love him? Are you in love with him? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you got a personal testimony? You see, this is what Christianity is all about. Loving Jesus. A personal relationship with Jesus. That's why Paul could say, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I often say when preaching the gospel, do you know, it takes a real man to be a Christian. You know that? It takes a real woman to be a Christian. It takes a real young person to stand up for Jesus Christ and tell people that you love him. This is a wicked world. And we need to stand up and we need to be identified with the Savior and let others know that we love him with all of our hearts. And I remember then the next day uh, going to the Faith Mission bookshop down there in Queen Street in Belfast to buy a Bible. And I walked in and I said to the fellow, I said, I got saved last night. I don't have a Bible. Could, could you recommend me a Bible? And he got me a little Bible. And then I couldn't wait to get to the prayer meetings. I couldn't wait to get to the Bible studies. I couldn't wait to get to church. Why? Because I was now born again of the Spirit of God. I was a new creation. Do you remember those days? Or maybe you've lost a wee bit of enthusiasm. Oh, friend, get it back tonight. Get that enthusiasm back. And I, I couldn't wait then to start reading the scriptures. I couldn't wait to tell everybody about this man that had, that had changed my life. Not with the hymn writer pen, what a wonderful change. And my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I remember going to church on my own and wondering, have I ever ended up in this place? I didn't know any Christians. But you know, God brought good people into my life. People to help me. People to strengthen me and encourage me. And I'm sure some of you remember back when you were first saved, the Lord brought good people into your life, didn't he? People that cared for you and looked out for you. And that's what the Lord did for me. Just a, a young lad, a new convert. But you see, I was hungry. 
I was hungry to learn the word of God. And ever since I got saved, God put a real burden within my heart to win souls. It's hard to explain, isn't it? But you see, when you're truly saved, when you're truly converted, you want everybody to know about Jesus. Like, like the woman at the well, come and see a man that told me all things that ever I knew. Is not this the Christ? Do you know what I'm talking about tonight? Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You want to tell everybody about the Lord when you're truly converted. And I started going to the prayer meetings and I started praying for my family. And I remember getting up, you know what it's like when you're first saved and you get up, in the, up at the prayer meeting, you know, the, you, you think you're going to mix up your words. The old devil doesn't want you to pray, isn't that right? And I remember starting to pray for my family. I remember saying, Lord, will you save my mother? Lord, will you save my father? Will you work in my family? And my mother started coming to church with me. And around 12 years ago, she got gloriously saved. Amen. My mum's from a wee place called Sandy Row in Belfast. Anybody ever heard of the Sandy Row in Belfast? Why are you all laughing? <laughs> I'll give you a tour of the Sandy Row. But that's where my mum's from. She went to Sunday school, the old Alderman Free Presbyterian Church Sunday school. I think the church is still there. I think Reverend Barnes looks after it. I'm not sure if it's open. But that's where she, that's where she went to Sunday school. But as she got older, she drifted away and she enjoyed all the pleasures of sin. But you know, she saw the change in my life. She started coming to church with me. And I say, around 12 years ago, around 12 years ago, she gave her heart to the Lord. And you know, folks, the desire for the drink, the desire for the cigarettes, all the old things of the world all left within days. Isn't that wonderful? Just to encourage you Sunday school teachers and you that work with children. And just in the last year or so, my mom has met up with her own Sunday school teacher. Isn't that lovely? Who taught her when she was a wee girl? Then my mom drifted for all them years and now they're reunited. This is what the Lord can do. Amen. Just to encourage you that work with children. Never give up praying for them. Maybe, maybe you taught a lot of children and now they're in the world. Keep praying for them. And that old Sunday school teacher prayed for my mother. All them years and now they're reunited. And then my dad was started praying for him. My dad was just a man of the world. Maybe that's you tonight. He worked hard for his family Monday to the, the, the Friday, but then he was out at the weekend uh, drinking. Friday night, Saturday night, hungover on a Sunday. But, but he saw the change in our lives, you see. And he wanted what we had. And I used to leave little gospel tracks sitting about the house. You know the way you do to try and reach your family? Uh, and we send little CDs and different things. And my dad read a little gospel track about the second coming of the Lord. And you know, after reading the gospel track, he couldn't settle. Again, he experienced conviction of sin. He couldn't eat. He couldn't sleep. For three days, he said it was like World War III going on in his mind. Again, conviction of sin. And he knew after reading that track that if the Lord returned, he'd be left behind. The track talked about, picture it in your mind. Can you see it? When the Lord returns, there's going to be two in a field. One to be taken. One to be left. Two grinding in the mill. Can you see it? One to be taken. One to be left. Two in a bed. It says, says, one will be taken, one will be left. And my dad knew that I was going. My mother was going. But he knew he was going to be left behind. And again, the, the conviction started. And he was driving the car down the Ravenhill Road, just up from the Martyrs Memorial Church there at Cherryville Plain Fields. And he pulled the car and he couldn't handle it anymore, the conviction. Do you know what he cried? Not a big, long theological prayer. He just cried, Lord, will you save my soul? And that was around 11 years ago. And there in the Ravenhill Road in Cherryville Plainfields, he was wonderfully saved. 
And to see the change in his life now, in his life is absolutely wonderful. A man of the word, changed by the Lord. This is what the Lord can do. And I fear, I fear maybe there's somebody here tonight and you know you would be left behind. Look, look at our world, folks, and all that's going on in our world. Surely the Lord is coming. And only you know in your heart, even if the Lord came back tonight, only you know if you would rise. You see, it's just going to be another ordinary day, isn't it? As it was in the days of Noah, Jesus says, Matthew 24, so shall it also be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. What were they doing? Eating, drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until Noah entered into the ark. And he says, it's going to be like that when he comes. And he says, watch and be ready for the Son of Man cometh in an hour that you think not. Just another ordinary day. Noah preached to his generation for 120 years. A flood is coming, a flood is coming, a flood is coming. But they didn't listen to Noah. And all over our province tonight, people are preaching. People are preaching the gospel. Drive-in services, drive-in missions. All over Northern Ireland. But how many are listening? As it was in the days of Noah. I trust you would rise to meet the Lord in the air. It'd be awful sad if somebody here was left behind, wouldn't it? My dad knew he was going to be left behind. And as the Lord was working on his heart, he asked the Lord to save him. And it's wonderful to see the change in his life. And then my sister then, around 10 years ago, Michelle got saved. And things were going on within her life. And she was going through some difficult times. And she got saved 10 years ago, my sister. And it's just wonderful to see, see the change now in her life. And she's living down there in Port of Oge, way down outside the, or down the Arch Peninsula there. And it's wonderful now just to see her bringing up her wee family in the ways of the Lord. And then my two aunties around eight years ago were saved at a little gospel mission I was taking in Finnicky. And it's just wonderful. At 60 years of age, my two aunts trusted the Lord. And that's my entire family has been transformed by the gospel. And I give the Lord all the praise and honor and glory for what he has done. Just start it with me. Starts off with one. And can I encourage the Christian people here tonight, keep praying for your families. Are you at the prayer meeting praying for your families? Are you sitting watching the TV? I trust you're at the prayer meeting. Or even if it's on the internet, you're on Zoom or whatever, always be at the prayer meeting praying for your loved ones. Because if you don't pray for them, who is? And we've got to pray for our loved ones. We can't save them. But oh, that we would get the burden to pray for them. And oh, that we would get the burden for precious souls again in our churches. You know the sad thing I said to somebody the other week? You see, living on the Donegal Road, I can never remember any of the churches in our district wrapping our door, an unsaved family, and inviting us to a gospel mission. I can never remember that. And yet in the church, there's so many all around the Donegal Road there. But an unsaved family, I can never remember anybody inviting us to a gospel mission. And if you're not saved tonight, you know who's praying for you. You know who's taking an interest in your soul. I thank God for that wee lady, Peggy Reardon. A cleaner in the Belfast City Hospital who started praying for us. Who planted a little seed. And look at how God worked. Isn't it Wonderful. And oh, again in our churches, oh, in our mission halls, oh, in our prayer meetings again, that we would get a burden. We would get a burden for the lost. And seven years ago, I gave up my job. I was working in a school as a teaching assistant in Newton Abbey, and there was a lady down in the hospital. I couldn't get to see her. 
because I was working in the school, and I was able to get another servant of God to go and speak to the lady. But I says, Lord, that'll never happen again. For somebody down in the hospital, I'll be there to win them to you. And I stepped out in faith, and I gave up my job, and I said, Lord, for all you have done for me and my family, I will go anywhere to win souls. I said, Lord, use me to reach this land with the gospel to win souls. I will go anywhere. And I did that seven years ago, and the Lord has opened up doors all over the province to take gospel missions and meetings, and I have just one desire in my life is to see people getting saved. How could I not when the, what the Lord has done for me? And you know, friends, you've been given a gift. Might not be on preaching, might not be in evangelism, but you've been given a gift. Are you using it for the Master? I think every day about when I stand before Him. Do you ever think about that? What's the Lord going to say to you in that day? What's the Lord going to say to me in that day? I long to hear those words well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thy into the joy of the Lord. When the parable of the Lord said to somebody here tonight, Depart from me, I never knew you. And even when we stand before the Lord, oh, let's have no regrets. Look at our lives. Where does the time go, huh? The weeks, the months, the years. Somebody said the year of your birth and the year of your death and the little dice in between. That's your life. And you might see 60 years, you might see 70 years or 80 years, but then we're all out in the great eternity. I know that when we stand before the king, I don't want to have any regrets. I want to have laid everything on the altar for the Savior. Do you know what an old preacher told me after I was first saved? And it's always been stayed in my heart. Listen now. Maybe it's for a young man here tonight or a young woman. Listen now. When God sees the sacrifice, then he will send the fire. Isn't that good? Did you get that? When God sees the sacrifice in our lives, then he will send the fire. If God can get the hold of a man, or a woman, or a young man here tonight, or a young woman who has led everything in the altar, not led a saying, not lukewarm, but led everything in the altar, that's the type of man and woman God will use. I don't want to be half-hearted in my service, do you? I want to have led everything in the altar, and then God will come. God will come and touch me. By the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what the Lord is looking for. Oh, if he can just get somebody totally surrendered. Or maybe there's a young man in here, or a young woman, and you're thinking about your future. Why not give it to the Lord? Why not say from tonight, I'm going to sacrifice and give my life completely to the Lord? To think that there's parts of our world they haven't even heard the gospel once. I heard a missionary recently in the Far East Russia 6.3 million people and they want somebody to come and share the gospel with them. Imagine, 6.3 million people and they're crying out, send us a missionary. Send us someone to teach us the Bible. Maybe there's a young man here tonight would go and reach them. Or a young woman. Old Henry Clay Morrison says, don't stoop to be prime minister if God has called you to preach the gospel. What a privilege it is to preach the word of God. And that's the desire of my heart, is to travel this province and wherever the Lord wants me to go to win precious souls. After I got saved, I spent a lot of time in Dublin. And that was very much my training ground on the streets of Dublin. I used to love the streets of Dublin. If you go to Newton Ards and Lisburn or places like that, Bangor, you're meeting the same sort of people. But you see, when you go to Dublin, you have to be sharp on the word. You're meeting people from all different religions, all different backgrounds, people throwing arguments at you. And I used to love it down there. 
And that was very much my Bible school and training ground. Uh, and I meet, used to meet a lot of men that had been in Mount Joy Prison. Has anybody ever heard of Mount Joy Prison? Maybe you should have said anybody been in Mount Joy Prison. But I used to meet a lot of men down there that were, that were in Mount Joy Prison. And they used to say this to me. They said, heaven is full of good people. There's no chance for me. That's what they used to say to me. Big rough guys, twice the size of me, in Mount Joy, just out of Mount Joy Prison. They used to say, heaven is full of good people. There's no chance for me. And I used to tell those big fellas. I used to tell them, heaven is full of bad people who were made good before they got there. Do you get that? Heaven is full of bad people who were made good before they got there. Folks, there's only one good tonight, isn't there? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we've all sinned. You know your sin. If all our sins were put up on that wall, who would be left in the church? See, you know your sin. You know your secret sin. You know your thought life. I know mine. And Jesus said, if you die in your sins, where I am there, you cannot come. What a terrible thing to die in your sin. What a terrible thing to die unsaved. Have you ever been with somebody dying before, not saved? Terrible. No hope. Don't know where they're going. No assurance of salvation. Have you ever been with a lovely Christian brother or sister, Dan? Makes all the difference when you've got the Lord, doesn't it? You know what they said to old John Wesley's converts? They died well. They knew we were going. Going home. It's a terrible thing to get a call to see somebody in the hospital and they're not saved and have no salvation. Never born again of the Spirit of God. Then they start to panic, don't they, at the last minute? Maybe they've been to some missions I've done or God's servant here and they start to panic. Son, where am I going? I've wasted my life. Been caught up making money, been caught up on their farm, caught up on their holidays. But you see, you can't take any of that with you. It's your testimony that matters. Only one life that will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. But when you meet lovely brothers and sisters in Christ, oh, and they have a testimony, that's what makes all the difference. When you come to die. I heard a powerful story recently too about a wee elderly woman. Listen to this. Oh, goodness, look at the time. <laughs> I'm five to eight already. Give us five minutes more. The time's flew. It's nearly eight o'clock. But I heard a, a powerful story about a wee elderly lady in Iran. Listen to this. And she's just got saved and she goes onto the bus and makes sure it's safe. A missionary was telling me this. And then on the bus, this wee woman, she brings out her New Testament with different verses underlined. And then she sits down beside someone on the bus and asks them to read the verses to her. And many are getting saved through this wee woman. And then the wee lady says, I'm a wee bit deaf. So the person reads the verses louder and the next thing the whole, the whole bus can hear the Bible verses. And many apparently are getting saved through this wee lady. Isn't that amazing? There's a wee woman that's doing something for the Lord. Why would the Lord ever want to use somebody like me? There's young men had a far better start in life than me. Brought up in a good Christian home. Knowing the scriptures from a child. Had praying parents and praying grandparents. But sadly, many of them are in the world tonight, you see. But God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the ways. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And you know what old General Booth said? The founder of the Salvation Army. And I want this to be the motto of my life. Listen, the greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. Do you get that? The greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. Not Christians that are caught up in the world, one foot in the world and one foot in the church. No, Laid everything on the altar for the Lord. Alan Redpath was an old Baptist preacher. Listen to what he once said. When God wants to do an impossible task, he takes an impossible man and he crushes him. 
Do you get that? Say it again. When God wants to do an impossible task, he takes an impossible man and he crushes him. Like old Reverend Roberts prayed in the Welch Revival. I was watching a little YouTube video the other night about Evan Roberts. What a man he was. Do you know what he prayed for his nation? Lord, bend me and break me. Could you pray that for Carrie Duff? Could this be the place where God sends revival to this wee province of ours? Why not? If God can get the hold of a remnant. I was in Kells the other day and I drove past. I was showing my parents. I drove past the old schoolhouse in Kells. Those four young men began to pray every Friday night for revival for, for this nation. Their brother prayed it at the start about how God sent revival. It's a wee house. Any of you seen it? You know where it is? It's a wee house in the middle of a wee country road. Middle of nowhere. That was the place where those four young men began to pray. And revival came to our nation. Oh, here we are in Carrie Duff. Could this be the place? Could this be the place where God sends revival? Why not? Why not? If God can get a remnant that are hungry enough. I'm hungry for God. Are you? I've seen a wee touch of the Lord moving at some missions, but it's only a wee touch. I want to see revival. Amen. I want to see the Lord move in this nation. Amen. And oh, that he could use the like of me or he could use the like of you to bring revival once more to our province. So we'll finish with our text. There's eight o'clock. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passed away. And behold, all things are become new. What do you have to do to get saved? Hear my last words. Maybe you're thinking that in the meeting tonight. Maybe you're here, you're listening on the internet, and you want to be saved. How do you get saved? Do you listen? First of all, very simply, you've got to recognize that you're a sinner. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Secondly, you've got to receive Christ. The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them give he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. And then thirdly, you have to repent. The Bible says, repent and believe the gospel. Fourthly, you've got to remember the blood. The Bible says, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. And then fifthly, you've got to rejoice. To be a Christian is the greatest thing in the world. Amen. We've got to rejoice. The Bible says there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. Maybe there's going to be one sinner in here tonight that's going to repent. I pray that there is. Is there any concern for your soul? Maybe right now you're experiencing conviction. Maybe right now you know you should be saved. Maybe you're backslidden and you know you're backslidden in heart. And you know that from tonight you need to get back to the Lord. Oh, friend, come. Come. While the Lord is speaking to you, come. Because God reminds us in Genesis 6 and 3 that my spirit shall not always strive with man. Here my last story. I was up in Jamara there doing a gospel mission and I met a man. And do you know what he said to me? I never forget it. He said, son, he says, I was at an old Noel Grant mission in the 1970s. He says, God was speaking to my heart. But he says, I told the Spirit of God to leave me alone. And he says, the Lord has never spoke to me again. What do you say to a man like that? A man that attended an old Noel Grant mission. I'm sure many of you remember Noel Grant way before my time. But 1970s, 
He says, the Lord was dealing with his heart and he told the Spirit of God to leave him alone. He says, the Lord has never spoke again. So friend, can I say tonight, if there's any concern for your soul in this meeting, if there's somebody here or somebody listening online and you know you should be saved, that's God, the Holy Spirit, working in your heart. And today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Get right with the Lord tonight because he died on the cross for you and he has given you time and space to repent. It's like the old preacher told the story going in the Titanic Museum. He says he saw that in America, he saw all the displays in the Titanic Museum. And he says, you got to the end of the museum and he said there was a huge board up in the wall of all the passengers that set sail in the Titanic, over 2,000. And he says, you got to the end of the Titanic Museum and they were just divided into two columns, all the passengers that set sail on the Titanic that night. And you know the two columns they were separated into? Listen now as I finish. The saved and the lost. That was it. Saved and lost. And he says you got somebody's name when you went into the museum. And you paid your money. And you were able to look on the board to see if they were saved or lost. And listen now. If all our names went down to that wall into the two columns right now. See it? Can you see it? The two columns, the saved and the lost. What column is your name in? See it now. That's all before me tonight. That's all in this church. That's all that's listening online. The saved and the lost. I trust if we were to put all our names up on that wall right now, you see your name, you're in the saved column. Maybe you're saying, well, I'm in the lost column. Well, don't leave the church tonight until you get saved. Do what I did at 19, stayed behind, spoke to one of the pastors and got right with the Lord. We're here to help you and we want you to be saved. Thank you for listening. Time has flew. I give the Lord all the glory for what he has done in my life and family. And I trust that the Christian people tonight are encouraged. And if you're not saved, you're backslidden. Friend, don't leave the church till you speak to somebody. Let's pray and I'll hand back to God's servant. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for the attention of your people. Lord, thank you for your word and thank you, Lord, for the testimony that you've given me. And I love you with all of my heart, Lord, and pray that you continue to use us in these days. Oh, God, I pray for my brothers and sisters here tonight. Oh, God, set us in fire in these days. Oh, God, we long for revival. Lord, we long for you to come and visit this nation. Lord, use each and every one of us. Use our gifts and talents and our abilities. But Lord, for that soul tonight that's not saved, that's lost, if they die tonight, they'll be lost forever. Lord, help them not to leave the church until they get right with you. Lord, we ask these things in your lovely name. Amen. I'll be standing down there at the door. I just brought some of my books with me. I wrote this little booklet for all the drive-in services. And my contact details are on the back. Even if you don't want to stay behind, ask for a little book and even give me a ring. And we'll even come to your home. We'll do anything that we can to help you. Do you know what entitled the little book? Be in time. I adapted it from the old Grand Soul booklet. I'm sure many of you remember, let them in. You can't seem to get them now, but it's very similar to that, but it's just entitled Be in Time. If you would like one, ask me for one at the, at the door, but, but don't believe him. God is speaking to you. Don't believe him. Don't leave it another time. Come and see us. The devil will say, get saved sometime, but not tonight. Friend, come tonight while he's speaking. Thank you.